Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 25. I'm Greg Norsey, and I'm joined by Emil Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm pretty good. Same can't be said for rail performance right now. Uh, we just had the ATC Week 25 report come out, and I think we were talking last week that you know we were ever hopeful that things would get better, but it doesn't seem to have gotten much better. What did you see in the Week 25, Milt? Well, uh, did not get better is certainly an accurate description. You know, it was pretty bad. Um, CN continues to astound, frankly, at how poor their performance is. Technically speaking, they actually did improve from week 24 to week 25, but you know, uh, not significantly. Uh, they fulfilled 30% of orders placed by shippers. That was better than the 24% in week 24, but still disastrously poor, frankly. This now puts them uh, in what I would describe as historically bad territory. Um, this is the first time, or this is the second time in the last five years where CN has failed to supply at least 40% of shipper orders in a week for four consecutive weeks. So when you think about that, that's pretty astounding. The last time that happened was in February of 2018. And at that time, it was a particularly uh, cold, bitterly cold period in Western Canada, uh, which is not typically the friends of railway performance. So they've been pretty bad. Uh, the other problem that CN has is they have a significant backlog of orders. As you can imagine, when you're only filling 40% or less of the orders that shippers are putting in front of you every week, and you do that week after week after week, what happens is you end up with this building backlog of unfilled orders that, you know, are placing demand on the system. So CN is now in a position coming out of week 25 where um, they're carrying into week 25, 2,300, that's 2,300 unfilled orders from prior weeks. That's the highest one week carry over this year for CN. And it is the third straight week where CN has carried 2,000 or more orders unfilled forward to the following week. So not a very good scenario. CP, uh, better, but not good. Um, uh, the other thing that we said last week was, or I may have said, frankly, was that I thought the chances were better that we would see improving performance from CP sooner than we would see it from CN. Uh, well, I kind of missed that boat because after posting 83% order fulfillment in week 24, uh, providing a glimmer of, CP, of hope for CP shippers, they kind of turned that around in week 25, supplied only 59% of orders, um, and they were worse pretty much across the board. It doesn't matter what corridor you looked at. 
uh, Thunder Bay, which is their second most important corridor, is now effectively winding down. The last of the cars that are being shipped there are being unloaded now. There's been no orders for Thunder Bay for almost four weeks. So Vancouver, uh, you know, is front and center. And Vancouver is always important for CP, but it's really important now. Um, and even that uh, couldn't spur good performance in week 25. They only filled 57% of the orders in week 25 for Vancouver. Uh, for context, in the, in the week prior to that, 88%. So, you know, in a nutshell, uh, while CN is uh, much worse than CP, neither of them are good. And it's difficult to see the prospects going forward. Yeah, it's just, I mean, every week it, it's becoming like this, like you say, four, four straight weeks of this kind of performance from CN. It's, it's getting difficult to even describe with the proper words, just how bad this is. And, you know, for us looking at these reports, it's one thing, but for shippers who need to function on, with, with this kind of performance, uh, it's even more complicated. So, um, and really, I, I think that the big thing is really, really no word necessarily from, from, from seeing in particular, both both railways as to what could potentially be be the problem going on here, and so the communication is uh, is quite difficult. Um, from a provincial standpoint, obviously with numbers like these, probably pretty bad across the board. But did anything catch your eye in any particular province uh, as far as performance? No, I think uh, you know what we most often see is whatever happens at the top level at the system level generally trickles down into the individual provinces and this week really is is uh, no exception you know cn was terrible at the top end at 30 percent as we just discussed um and they were pretty much terrible at the bottom end uh, you know if you want to go through them one by one alberta um, which has really suffered from poor service this year this has been a you know, a 25-week story. This is not something that's developed with the arrival of winter. You know, Alberta shippers have really struggled with CN service this year, and that's not getting any better. If you recall, in week 24, CN came in with a dazzling 13% order fulfillment success rate. Um, well, in week 25, they took a big step forward. They nearly doubled their performance from the prior week. But I don't imagine a lot of people are too excited about the fact that that got them to 22%, which is still, you know, historically poor. And, and now Alberta shippers, you know, just to be that much worse than the rest of CN shippers, they haven't seen even 30% of the cars they've ordered from CN for three straight weeks. So they're in really tough shape. CP, again, better, um, but not great you know 51 percent. they were 88 percent the week before that um and they you know that 51 percent was on 100 percent of the orders for vancouver as we said their most important corridor but even that didn't seem to be able to get cars to shippers so not good in alberta to say the least um manitoba you could argue is you know on the cn side is even worse um We'll give CN points for consistency uh, in week 25. Unfortunately, that consistently meant that, you know, Manitoba shippers got 0% of their orders filled again for the second straight week. Uh, and it's not a lot of orders, so it's, it's not a demand issue by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and it's not even a corridor issue. 
you know, we talk a lot about how CN struggles in their Western corridors, whether that's to Vancouver or it's to Prince Rupert. Manitoba was looking to ship cars to Eastern Canada and they didn't get any of them. So it's not just a Western problem. And CP, much the same. Uh, you know, they were almost perfect the week before, 99% fell to 52%. And that's with even lower volumes than they managed to hit 99% on. So that seems kind of counterintuitive. That's what the numbers are showing us. And Saskatchewan, I guess, would be the, the bright light for CN. I mean, performance declined week over week. They were 49% week 24, came down to 39. But, you know, at 39, they were certainly better than Manitoba and better than Alberta. So perhaps they can take a little solace in that fact that overall performance wasn't poor. Uh, one small bright spot for CN uh, in Saskatchewan, they did manage to do well on 200 orders going to Prince Rupert, where they filled them all. Um, but that's the exception to the rule because, you know, Alberta shippers had twice as many orders to Prince Rupert and they only got 24% of them. So, you know, there's obviously some local service issues coming into play there. It's just very difficult to, to figure out what they are when you, when you have, you know, this little transparency into the system. And lastly, for CP in Saskatchewan, uh, like CN, their best performance was in that province, although lower than in the prior week. So a consistent trend for CP. They came down at a system level and that, that, that similar decline uh, rippled through all three provinces. Uh, and CN, as I said, they're just you know bad across the board. Yeah, thanks, Milt. It's not a not a pretty picture, and you know we're we're recording this on January thirty first, and today, um, Minister of Transport held a a, a a transportation summit to talk about the about resiliency in our transportation systems, and a lot of that's because of what we saw in Vancouver before Christmas, but uh, but just generally around around the performance of the entire supply chain, whether it's containerized movement or whether it's rail, you know, when we look at these numbers and these consistently really, you know, quite bad performance and, and the impact this is having on, on the entire grain supply chain from farmers to, to end use customers, um, you know, it's tough to see this, this rail network as, as being resilient. I mean, when you see this and looking ahead uh, with performance this bad, um, like clearly we have a lot of work to do when it comes to trying to build resilience in, 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 uh, in grain transportation, wouldn't you say? Oh, without a doubt, you know, people, shippers, industry, um, have been singing this song, if you will, or using this refrain for a number of years now, you know, recoverability, resiliency, sustainability, pick the word you want but they all talk about the same thing, which is the ability of the railways to recover from um, problems, I guess, broadly stated. I mean, the rail railways are a complex business. Nobody, nobody is who knows anything about railways is gonna tell you otherwise. And that's fine. Complexity is part of life, but it is their business. And one of the things that good businesses do is ensure that if performance is impacted, whether as a function of internal disruption 
which I'm sure there's maybe a little bit of at CN these days, um, or external disruption, which is you know one of the big factors that impacted performance in, in the Vancouver corridor uh, in mid-November, that you have the ability in a reasonable amount of time to restore service levels to where you know, they should be, and that's a, that's a loaded phrase, frankly, in this environment, but, um, but what we've seen is that we are now going on three months after the disruption in the Vancouver corridor, you know, it happened, if I recall, on December 15th or December 16th, something around there, week 16, and so now we're starting February tomorrow, and you know, we just talked about what performance was like. And it's not just grain. I mean, obviously we talk about grain because that's the industry that we're focused on. But, you know, if you look at the statistics today for the Port of Vancouver, um, they have practically just as many vessels in port and at anchor as they had in mid-November when the rail lines were out of service going to Vancouver. So that situation hasn't improved at all in 10 weeks. So, I mean, the problem is much, much, much bigger than grain and we know it is, but, and we can only imagine that other shippers and other commodities are seeing similarly poor service. Of course, we don't know that, but I think it's a pretty valid assumption. Um, so yeah, it, it's concerning. I mean, unfortunately, nobody has the answer to this. And when you've got two private, public corporations whose principal purpose in life seemingly is to satisfy their shareholders, um, you know, building this kind of resiliency adds cost. And the railways, like a lot of businesses, don't want to add cost on a just-in-case basis. And that's been the debate for the, in the industry for several years. You know, if you want resiliency, who's going to pay for it? And as for-profit corporations, the railways are not interested in doing that. So perhaps the Minister of Transport will find an answer to this issue. I think the fact that the discussion is going on again and that it's led by that level of government is a positive. Whether it will yield anything uh, more positive or, or enduring than prior discussions on this issue, I guess time will tell. Yeah, it's great points, Milton. You know, as to the process, we'll see. They, they announced, uh, you know, a, ta- a task force that's going to develop an action plan by the summer. And, um, you know, I, I think there's there's always potential to, 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 to continue to tackle these issues. We've been dealing with them for quite a while, whether it's rail service reviews or, you know, CTA legislation reviews, like they, they all touch on, on the same issues. And I think you addressed a well where we've got service providers who simply just don't provide good service or their priority is not providing good service. Um, and they can quite frankly get away with, you know, putting up zeros in, in provinces and, and four weeks of historically bad uh, order fulfillment uh performance. So, you know, how, how you get around that has always been the, the million dollar question for the sector, but um, we'll continue to, to track that and, and give updates as they come. Uh, well, thanks to everyone for listening and thank you, Milt, for 
your insights. For those who'd like to see the Ag Transport Coalition reports, you can go to agtransportcoalition.com and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you.